Yo, today's QOT is we are not being rejected. We are simply being refused. Here we go. Quote of the day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We got Zig Ziglar on the show today, and he's talking about one of the most important skills you can ever develop, which is the skill of selling. If you're in sales, this is a very important episode for you because I know that a lot of people in sales are afraid of rejection. They're afraid of making the pitch. They are afraid of the ask. I've I've watched so many webinars on the internet. And, you know, the person teaching the webinar will go 45 minutes killing it, right? Teaching all the stuff. But when they get to the pitch, when they get to the offer, when it comes time for them to actually sell something, they completely turn into a different person. It's weird. And so this is really important because Zig is going to talk about the difference between rejection and refusal and where our fear of rejection comes from. Zig Ziglar, he's coming up. Perhaps the most misunderstood aspect of selling is a subject that a lot of people refer to as closing the sale. To begin with, I'd like to clarify a couple of things. Number one, the close itself is actually a part of the sales process. It's not a separate entity. It's part of the process. And yet over and over, as we go around the country, I hear salesmen all over come up to me and say, well, you know, I'm pretty good at prospecting or I'm pretty good at presentation. I do all of the things that are necessary, but when it comes down to closing, somehow or another, I tighten up. Well, let me hasten to add that in my opinion, no normal man or woman who truly likes people is what you would classify as a closer in the closer's definition. Most people think of a closer, in other words, when you start talking about closer's definitions, as a guy that when he gets you under the gun, he just sits on you and says, bye, bye, bye. My judgment, this is not what a closer really is all about. Now, I can't reach up and grab just one word or two words or a sentence or a phrase or even a paragraph and say that this is what a closer is. But I can tell you this, that closing is not a natural process any more than smoking a cigarette is a natural process. You remember, you guys who smoke, do you remember when you first smoked the first cigarette, how the body said, no, 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 I don't like it, I don't like it. And you, in effect, said, yes, you do, you're going to like it, you're going to like it, I'm going to jam it down your throat, you got to like it. And so the body, in effect, says, all right, all right, I'll do it, but I'm not going to like it, I'll tell you that right now. And then a little bit later on, the body said, well, okay, You know, really, it's not as bad as I had thought it would be. And then a little later on, the body says, hey, this is not bad at all. Matter of fact, I kind of like it. And then a little bit later on, the body says, hey, not only do I like it, but I've got to have it. I've got to have it. Now, folks, when we start talking about closing the sale, I want to be able to present something to you and sell you on an idea. And I believe we'll be able to do so. 
Let's look at closing. Why do most people have difficulty with it? And I say most because I'm persuaded that initially most people do have trouble with closing. I believe basically that it's a psychological problem. I've seen guys weigh 240 pounds selling merchandise to a 105-pound housewife. And they would talk and talk and talk. They'd beat around the bush nine different ways, hoping that this little 105-pound housewife would finally say, I'll take it. And then you see the salesman wouldn't have to ask for the order. You see, there's an inherent danger in asking for an order. Suppose the prospect says no. Then where are you going to go? And this is kind of interesting. You see, most salesmen fear a no. And let me explain to you why they fear the no. They don't really understand what the no means. They do not understand the difference between refusal and rejection. You see, we get so wrapped up in our product. We get so enthused about what we're doing. And any salesman worth his salt, any good salesman that I have ever seen in my life, gets wrapped up in what he's doing. He believes so fervently in his product or his goods or his services that it's beyond his comprehension to understand why the prospect wouldn't buy. And then all of a sudden it dawns on the salesman, I know why that bird's not buying from me. He doesn't believe my story because if he believed my story, there's no way in the world he could say no. And then the salesman's mental process says, that guy is calling me a liar. Where does he get off calling me a liar? This is part of the process that he goes through. Let's go to our children to learn a little something about closing a sale. You see, a child understands instinctively the difference between refusal and rejection. There's an enormous difference. You see, when the customer says no, a child would know that they simply mean no. But the salesman fears rejection. He interprets it as being that. We have a little four-year-old boy. We had three daughters, and then 10 years later, we got the little boy, so we call him Mac for middle-aged carelessness. <laughs> <laughs> this little boy, you see, <laughs> he understands a lot of things. He's a great sales painter. Now, for instance, if he asks for something and I say no, he simply, in his mind, he figures that I just blew it. I just missed, that's all. But he doesn't hold it against me. Two minutes later, he gives me a brand new chance. <laughs> and if I miss again, two minutes later, he doesn't hold it against me. He gives me a brand new chance. How many of you have got kids that are just that good to you? <laughs> I think everybody has. You see, the child understands the difference between refusal and rejection. He knows totally and completely that he's loved. There's no thought of rejection there. He just figures mom or dad simply blew it. They missed the question. You know, if you think about it for a moment, if we can adopt the same attitude, we're not being rejected, we simply are being refused. You see, what the customer is really saying is based on the information you have given me up until this point, the answer is no. You must understand in the sales process that always the price starts out considerably higher than value. And so you start giving value and along the way, you ask for the order. But at that stage of the game, the value is not as high as the price. So the answer's got to be no. It's got to be no. Then you build value a little higher and perhaps you ask again. But value still is not as high as price. And so again, the answer has got to be no. So you build value again. And the instant that value and price equals, that's the point that the customer buys. But that's not necessarily the point that the customer gives you the order. 
There's a vast difference. You see, there's still that decision-making process involving action that's got to enter the picture. So many people hate to make decisions. They hate them. So what we need to do in our process is understand something about decision-making in the process. You see, logic makes people think, but it's emotion that makes people act. Now, the problem with all emotion is that if you sell tonight or today, then tomorrow when the customer gets logical on you, they might well say, hey, I wish I hadn't bought. The problem with all logic is that you can persuade them maybe logically that you've got a good deal, but logic doesn't really make most people act. And so we've got to combine the two. So first of all, let's understand the difference between refusal and rejection. And second, let's see if we can overcome a psychological hang-up that we've had since childhood when it comes to closing sales. You remember as a child when your parents would say, now, Tom, don't ask for everything you see. Don't ask, ask, ask. That's all you do is you ask for this, you ask for that, and you ask for the other. It's ask, ask, ask. Don't ask for everything you see. It's not nice. How many of you ever had your parents tell you this? I think every man, woman, and child in the world has had this told to them over and over. Don't ask for everything inside. And then one day you get in selling, and the sales manager says, Mel, you got to ask for the order. Ask for the order. Ask for the order. Everybody says, ask for the order. But you see, you got a conflict. You've got a conflict. And this conflict, you see, is what makes a lot of guys not ask for orders. As a matter of fact, when it comes to closing sales, this is where the colorful salesman comes to light. And by colorful, of course, I mean yellow. <laughs> you know, when you get right down to it, <laughs> this is the thing that so many people never quite really grasp is this little illustration I hope will make it clear. Let's suppose that you were going from Dallas to Fort Worth one night in your car, driving along, thinking beautiful, positive thoughts, minding your own business, driving within the law because you're a good citizen. And all of a sudden, over on the right-hand side of the freeway, you see a glitter. And so you say, hey, I wonder what that is. Curiosity gets the better of you. So you pull over to the side and you stop. And you discover, oh boy, oh boy, it's a gold brick. And man, you grab that gold brick and you make a mad dash for the car, looking around to make certain that nobody sees you. And then you look back where you got the one gold brick and you make an amazing discovery. There are two more gold bricks where the one was. So you very quickly deposit the first one in your car and go grab the two and run back to the car. And then all of a sudden you remember something. This is public domain. Hey, I don't have to be sneaky about this. I can just haul it away. It's mine. You're delighted uh, with this realization because in place of two, now there are four more gold bricks. So you get the four, and then there are eight. You get the eight, and then there are 16. You get the 16, and there are 32. You load your car, but there's still an enormous amount of gold left. So what you do is you stop the first car coming down the highway and say, hey, why don't you haul away some gold, don't we? <laughs> oh, you don't? <laughs> That's right, you sure don't. I'll tell you what you do. You call the best friends you've got, or the closest friend, or close relative. And this is the way the conversation goes. You call them and you say, well, Larry, I know it's 10 o'clock at night, and you probably have already gotten dressed for bed and are watching your favorite television program. And I hate to bother you about this because I'm not sure you'd be interested anyhow. 
But, Larry, out here on the expressway, and I'm nearly 20 miles from where you live, I just found a gold mine. I don't, I'd like to say, I don't think you'd be interested in it, but in case you were, if you wanted to come over in your car and, and load up, it'd be all right. The only thing is you'd... You know, you would have to, to give me a 20% finder's fee. And, and, and I, well, listen, I'm sorry I bothered Jack Larry, because I know you wouldn't be interested in such as that. Now, that's the way you'd call him, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Did you realize that this is about the most ridiculous thing in the world? And yet, when an average salesman, if he is a recruiter, for instance, if he's given somebody an opportunity, or if he's got a product, or a service that he's selling, first of all, if it's not worth more than he's asking for it, he's not an honest man in selling it. And this I'd like to make crystal clear. The man who thoroughly believes in what he's got has actually some missionary zeal. He's got some crusader spirit in him. He wants to share. I'll tell you how that telephone call would go. You would be so excited, you would be probably a little incoherent. You'd get on the telephone and you'd say, Larry, man alive, I'm out here on the expressway between Dallas and Fort Worth, and I have just seen the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life. Larry, it's a gold mine. It's out here. It's right there, lad. I want you to get in your car. I want you to come over here right now, lad, and load up. Now, I'm going to charge you 20% finance fee, but Larry, this thing absolutely will make you the richest man in town. It's fantastic. You would be so excited and so enthused. That's the way you'd be about it. Why? because you're not thinking about the 20% that you would get out of it. You're thinking about the enormous value that your customer or your prospect would get. Now, once you are able in your own mind to establish as a basic fact that what you've got is going to benefit the customer more than the sale is going to benefit you at that instant, you can become a much more effective closer. That was Zig Ziglar. His website is Ziglar.com. You can check out today's entire talk on YouTube. It is called Zig Ziglar, The 11 Keys in Closing the Sale, 1969 Rare. Very old clip. That's why the sound was a little shaky. I hope you didn't mind all that stuff. But yeah, that is it for me. That is it for the week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episodes. Follow me on the Instagram at Sean Croxton and have a great weekend. I will see you on Monday. I am out. Peace. Thank you.